If you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I think this is so key. As people who want to follow Jesus, as people who want to obey him, it's important that we understand this concept. See, there's two, there's two sides, two extreme sides to this. There's the obey side and there's the love side. And you can see some that are more on the liberal side, that, that idea of love, right? As long as we got love, we're going to be all right. And then you can get side, more side on the legal side where it's all about obedience, that we must do this and this and this. And I think Jesus points us to what it should look like, love and obedience. And the order is significant. The order is important, love and obedience. See, we want to be motivated by what we do and how we follow Jesus by a sense of love for him. Love, and out of that love breeds obedience. See, see, God is not in the business of behavior modification. He's not in it for us to change our behavior. What, what does he want? He wants heart transformation. He wants our lives to be changed because we love Jesus. And when we love Jesus, we begin to do what? Begin to obey. We begin to listen, hear his teaching, and respond to his teaching. That's why I've loved the last, we started this series almost six months ago now. That's why I've loved it, because we have seen Jesus, we have seen his teaching, we have seen his life, and now we can hear his words. And the purpose and the goal is that we love Jesus, and through this love, respond to him. Love and then obey. Duty or guilt will motivate us for a while, but only the love of Jesus will motivate you for a lifetime. And as Jesus is meeting with his disciples, here his last time, he has these 11 guys, and he's going to send these 11 guys out into the world to change the world, to turn the world upside down, as it says in Acts. Turn the world upside down. These 11 guys Jesus is sending out. And he wants them to understand that if you're going to follow me, and as we go into John 15 and you're going to experience this, you must first know what it is to love me. And if you love me, you will obey. We talked in John chapter 8, Eugene Peterson, when we were in John chapter 8, we talked about this idea, right? If you really are my disciples, you will hold to my teaching. This idea of this long obedience in the same direction. As we love Jesus, we begin to look more like him. We begin to do what he says. And he be, there's this, this growth and this change and this transformation in this love for Jesus. This idea of long obedience in the same direction. Once we love, we begin to obey. And so here he is meeting with these disciples, and here he is getting ready to send these guys out. And this is his one last encouragement and challenge to these 11 guys. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead, and in John chapter 15, the second half of this, here's what it says. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. See, last week we talked about there, in this life, there will be trouble, right? There will be trials, there will be tribulations, there will be struggles that we encounter. There will be sickness and death and things in life that are difficult. 
I shared the story of that little six-year-old boy and these parents talking to me and how they lost their six-year-old boy from a freak accident. Hit in the throat, he began to, to bleed in instead of out. And here they were 25 years later recalling this event that still there was hurt and pain. In this life, there will be trouble. There will be struggles. There will be pain. But here Jesus almost takes it to a whole nother level with these 11 disciples. What's he say? The world is going to hate you. That's a strong word. The world is going to hate you because they hate me. See, if you are going to love and obey and this long obedience in the same direction, you're going to continue and begin to look more like me, begin to do as I have told you to do, the world is going to hate you for it. See, as we love Jesus and as we begin to obey and the Spirit begins to do a work in our life, people who don't know Jesus, people who have not encountered him, all of a sudden they're convicted by their sin. They realize that as they would look at our lives and they encounter the Spirit and they encounter us, followers of Jesus, people who love Jesus, that their lives just don't measure up. And the majority of the world hates us for it. You go back, all the way back to the story of Cain and Abel. And Abel found favor in the eyes of God. And Cain hated him for it. That's the way it is in the world we live. Those of us that have found favor in the eyes of God. We love God. We follow Jesus. We obey his teaching. We have found favor. And the world hates us for it. That's what Jesus is telling us. If you follow me, if you love me, and you obey me, the world is going to hate you for it. And so he tells him here, the world is going to hate you because it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. In other words, if you did not love me and there obey me, you'd be like the world is. And the world wouldn't hate you. If you did your own thing, you lived your own life, and it wasn't me, and you didn't love me, you didn't follow what I said, you didn't follow my commandments, the world wouldn't hate you because you would be like the world was. But as it is, Jesus says, I have chosen you. I have, I have chosen you to do my work. And speaking to these 11 men that are about to go into the world, that he has given them the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, they are going to transform and change the world by what God is going to do through them and by the work of the Holy Spirit. So he says, this is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also, here's the reality. He's talking to these 11 guys, right? These guys are having a conversation with Jesus. It's his last time with him. I love, I love John because John, he gives us this glimpse into these relationships that he has. But if you look at the beginning of John, he kind of takes us quickly through the first few years. And then as it kind of slows down in the final week and final days of Jesus' life, we begin to get a, a closer, and it's almost like he's zooming in to give us this closer look at Jesus and the relationships that he has. And so here he is in his final time with these 11 disciples. 
talking to these guys, challenging these guys, encouraging these guys. And here's the reality Jesus is setting before them. Listen, I've told you before, no servant is greater than the master. And what's going to happen to me is going to happen to you. The world hates me, therefore they're going to hate you. And they are going to persecute me, therefore you as well will be persecuted. And if we look through the history of the church, and we'll share a few of these stories here in a second, that's exactly what happened. See, Jesus shares these words with them. If you follow me, if you love and obey me, you're going to be persecuted. They're going to hate you, the world's going to hate you, and they're going to persecute you as they did me. And so if you look at the history of these 11 guys that he's talking to, it's exactly what happened. The world persecuted me, and therefore they're going to persecute you. Here's a few of the stories. James, he's the first one of them. He's the brother of John. In Acts chapter 12, it tells us basically that he was beheaded. Acts chapter 12, he's the first of the 11 to be martyred. Now, he's not the first martyr, right? You can go all the way back to Cain and Abel, and Abel was the first martyr for his faith. But here he's the first of the 11. You can go to Acts chapter 7, and you can see Stephen, who was martyred for his faith, right? Paul was there as well, and he, he took place in that. But Acts chapter 7 points us to Stephen, and about that time, it, it, it said that there were probably over 2,000 followers of Jesus that were martyred. Because of their belief in Jesus, because they loved and obeyed, they were martyred for their faith. But for the 11, it was James. James was the first one that comes along, and that's Acts, Acts chapter 12. Well, you, the, in further studying it, there's a guy called Eusebius, and he had some writings. He talks about this, this encounter with James. And here James is being ready to be beheaded. And before him, they kind of give him one last, one last word that you can have. And James, in that last moment, shares his faith. Here is a guy in front of him that doesn't know Jesus, and James, in his final moments, shares his faith shares who Jesus is, shares the new life that he can have in Jesus. And right there, it said that this elected official came to Jesus, and both of them had their heads beheaded. In this final moment, James, persecuted, ready to meet death, ready to meet Jesus, death before him, sharing his faith. Peter, many of you know the story of Peter, but Peter also crucified. And what they did is many of these disciples were crucified, and they did it because it was kind of a mockery towards Jesus, that they crucified him as Jesus was crucified to kind of mock Jesus. And we know the story of Peter, and many of you have probably heard it, but Peter did not want to die like Jesus. He didn't find himself worthy to be martyred like Jesus. So so Peter was crucified upside down. There was also the story of Andrew, and it's said that Andrew hung on the cross for two to three days. Two to three days he hung on the cross, and while on the cross, continually shared who Jesus was, continually shared how their lives could be changed through knowing, loving Jesus, and obeying Jesus. And lives literally at the foot of his cross, people giving their lives over to Jesus. It goes on, and it talks about Philip being crucified and Jude being crucified. Thomas had a spear ran through him. Matthew was speared. Simon was crucified. The other James was clubbed to death. It was said as an old man he was clubbed to death. 
Bartholomew, who was, who was Nathaniel, it was said he was beaten, scourged, and then beheaded. Beaten, scourged, and then beheaded, much like Jesus was. And they would take this cat of nine tails, and they would whip him. And in it, there was rock, and in it was, was glass, and it would, it would sink into your back, and they'd rip it back. And here he was, and then finally beheaded. And all of these disciples died a martyr's death, all but one. That's the author of this book, who was John. But it wasn't for a lack of trying. It said that John was boiled in oil. I've had some oil (laughs) kind of spray on me before. It's not a pleasant sight, not not a pleasant feeling. But he somehow survives this, ends up on Patmos, and this is where Jesus encounters him. They write the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is written. So Jesus speaking to these 11 disciples, and he tells them, I was persecuted, I will be persecuted And so you also will be persecuted. And they were. They all became martyrs, but John, who died as an old man. But these words were not only written for these 11, but they were written for the church. They were written for us. Now, if we look throughout the course of the history, even going back to this story here, uh, this time of Stephen where there was over 2,000 that end up being martyred for their death, but you can look throughout the course of church history and you can see there are people that have died a martyr's death. Even today, there are people who die a martyr's death. It's said in the last hundred years, more people have been martyred for their faith than through all the previous however many years in the course of history. In the last hundred years, more martyrs for Jesus than all the rest of human history. Now, we have more people, but it's still an amazing stat. I also studied, as I was reading last night, there was numbers that was considered somewhere between either 7,000 a year on the low end up to 105,000 a year. People martyred for their faith. I don't know where that correct number is, but either way, it's a large number. It's either somewhere between 20 dying or 275 dying a day. Martyred for their belief and their faith in Jesus. Incredible thing. The world, his church, is still being persecuted. Read stories yesterday, and and this was one of my favorite parts of studying John chapter 15, is reading story after story of people who were martyred for their faith or people who were persecuted for their faith. There are stories I've shared before like Graham and Timothy, uh, Graham and Timothy Staines, who in India were burned alive. Timothy, his son, a little 10-year-old boy, and his dad, Graham, burned alive as they waited out to have these gospel meetings. They set their car on fire, and here Graham and his young son persecuted, murdered for their faith. Read stories from, from the Sudan and North Korea and China, stories of people being persecuted, stories of people giving up their lives for this message of Jesus reading stories of people that literally they can't be found with a Bible. So what they would do is they tear out pages and they'd hand one page here, one page here, and everybody in the church would have a page or two of the Bible because if they were found with the Bible, they would be beaten, imprisoned, maybe even die for their faith. All over the world, people being persecuted, people giving their lives up for the message of Jesus. And, and we can go throughout the... The, the recent past, and we can read stories like Jim Elliott, right, and Ed McCauley, and things like that as they went down to Ecuador 
and the Aka Indians and, and them, those five missionaries giving up their lives, martyred for their faith, and their wives going back, and the same people that martyred them come to know Jesus. Isn't that incredible? I love that. But stories of people throughout the world who have given their lives for Jesus, persecuted for Jesus. So the question then is, what about us, right? Because it's, it's amazing to read stories and and there are great places and great books and great sites to go to read about the persecuted church, people giving their lives up, people being persecuted for their belief and taking this message of Jesus into all the world. But the reality is for us, we have it pretty easy, don't we? I mean, we, we don't experience that on a whole like a lot of the world does. We, we don't have to worry about locking the doors in the back, do we? You know, I was reading one story about a pastor in China, and he had packed his bags because he knew that morning that if he got up there and he preached the gospel, they were coming to arrest him and imprison him and beat him. And so he had his bag packed, and when they marched in that room, he left with him with that bag. And we don't have to worry about that here. Reality is we have it pretty easy, don't we? That doesn't mean there aren't troubles and struggles, but on a whole, we have it pretty easy. I was talking, we were... Karen and I were with a group of people on Friday, and one individual, and we were talking about somebody, obviously not from this church, but talking about this, this, this young single woman, and the other person was telling us, you know, I, she had not been to church in a long time, had gotten the habit of not going, and this other person says, well, I know, you know, I'm single, I can understand the struggle. Well, I was studying this and understanding it, you know, I, I couldn't really keep my mouth shut, I have tendency to do that. I'm like, struggle, a struggle to get to church. There are some people literally dying, dying if they go to church. And we struggle to get up and go. Here are these people, people dying all over the world, that if they know they go through and walk into church that day, they could very well lose their life. And they're there. Amazing. We have it easy. Now, I don't know if it's a state of grace. I don't know if it's not a benefit to us. But whatever it is, we got it easy. Now, I'm not telling you to pray for persecution. I'm not telling you to pray that we are persecuted. I don't want to be ran through with a spear. You know, I don't want to see my kids go with that little Timothy Gaines did. I don't want that at all. But the reality is, if we experience that, what do we do? James tells us, maybe. James tells us to consider it pure joy. No luck. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. See, it's not that I'm praying for persecution for myself, but when persecution comes, I consider it pure joy because it is the testing my faith. It's developing perseverance. So this long obedience in the same direction. He's building my faith. God is in the business of heart transformation, continually working and changing and moving in my life. Now, we've got it easy. I think the, the most persecution I've come across, I remember in, I recently gave my life to Christ. I was a freshman in high school, and my friends, uh, to make fun of me, started calling me Pope Clarkson. So that was my, that was my they were all Catholic and 
I remember one time with uh, Nate Metzler, and we were in New York, and this is probably the most persecution I've ever faced, but we were in New York, and our purpose was we were going to share the gospel with whoever we can come across. And so we were in Central Park, and we struck up a conversation, and this guy, he started just yelling at Nate and I. And there we had the most persecution I've ever faced. I wasn't ready for that. But the reality is we have it easy. We have it easy. Now, there are struggles, right? There are troubles. There are hard times. There are the lure of this world and what it has to offer. But as a whole, we've got it easy. But for us, we can come alongside and understand the persecuted church across the the world. We can come alongside and we can pray for them. We can support them. We can know what is going on. And I would encourage us to do so because it is so powerful to see the stories and hear the stories of people throughout the world being persecuted, giving their lives up, willing to do whatever it takes to get this message of Jesus out. So I encourage you to to find places where you can keep up to date on that. There are places where you can go, places like persecution.com. I think there's a few more. Can you throw the, yeah, if if you're on Twitter, the Voice of the Martyrs, Facebook, also Voice of the Martyrs. But it's a great place where you can keep up to date on what's going on throughout the world. I encourage you to do that. Know what's going on. Pray for people who are being persecuted. Pray that the message of Jesus would go out. Educate yourself on what's going on. There are some also some good books to read. You can throw them up there, Chris, if you would. Through the Gates of Splendor, it's that story of Jim Elliott. Uh, there's a book called Jesus Freaks, which, which gives stories of people who have been persecuted. Fox Book of the Martyrs, and then Extreme Devotion, another book like that. But great places to read stories of people who have surrendered all, willing to be persecuted for the message of Jesus. We got it easy. We've got it easy. But it doesn't mean we can't come alongside and we can't partner and we can't pray for those being persecuted. Now, it's, it, that's a, a scary aspect to, to know that you could give your life up for this message that we are to go into all the world, to all nations, to the end of the earth to share, right? Leading people everywhere to this devoted relationship with Jesus. But here's the beautiful part of it. The second part of that verse says this, if I can find it. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. See, when the world, by and large, is confronted with this message of Jesus, is was confronted with their own sin, there's two choices. One, they're either going to hate you and hate Jesus, or two, they are going to respond to this message. And this is what Jesus wants. When he sends these 11 out, when he's sharing this message, he wants them to be willing to give up all for this message of Jesus. And there are some when they encounter this message, they realize their need for Jesus. And so whether it be Andrew hanging on that cross for two or three days telling this message of Jesus, or James about to be beheaded sharing with this elected official about the message of Jesus, or us mustering up the courage in everyday conversation sharing this message of Jesus. There are some, yeah, the world may hate you, And many, by and large, may hate you for this message and because you know Jesus, but there are some who will give their lives to Jesus. That is the point, isn't it? This is why we are here. This is our mission, leading people everywhere to this devoted relationship with Jesus. 
We want to encourage you and challenge you to partner, right, with, with groups around the world, to know about the persecuted church, to pray for the persecuted church. For us as individuals, what, it, what does it mean for us? It means for us to be bold because we've got it easy. We've got it easy. We don't have the persecution much of the world does. We've got it easy. And we encourage you to be bold in your faith, to know the power that you've been given. Paul tells Timothy, you've been given a spirit of power, spirit of power, not timidity. We have been commissioned to go into all the world, to lead people everywhere to this devoted relationship with Jesus. He leaves them at the end here and buzz through these final verses before 10 comes up, but says, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they did not know the one who sent me. Right? They're, they're going to do it because you know me, because you are in relationship with me, because you follow me. This is why they are going to hate you. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Right? This is why Jesus came. This is why he's given us the Spirit. So they, when people encounter his people who love and obey him, they see their need for Jesus. They realize their sin. They realize their unrighteousness. This is why we've been given the Spirit. This is why the world hates us. He who hates me hates my Father as well. If I had not done among them what, else, what, what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. Right? There is no reason to hate Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was without sin. But the Psalms tells us he is going to be hated. It's prophesied that he is going to be hated. When the counselor comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. This is what we've been commissioned to do. And here's the beautiful thing. We've not been left to do it alone. He has given us the Spirit. And whether it be persecution, whether it be troubles, whatever it may be, the Spirit has been given to us. A Spirit of power, not timidity. The final verses. Here, uh, first part of chapter 16. It says, All this I have told you, so you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Look around the world. People think they are doing a service to God by killing Christians. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. I'm telling this message now, right? Jesus is about to be crucified. Jesus is about to go to the cross, and he's his last moment with these 11 guys. And, of course, he didn't tell them early on, right? What are they going to do? They're going to run for the hills. The first thing he tells them is they're going to die. But he waits until now. He waits until he's about to be persecuted. He's about to be crucified. He's challenging them, encouraging them. He's letting them know that the Spirit has been given so they can go and do this. He has not left him alone. We want to challenge and encourage you guys to be bold in your faith, to be active in sharing your faith. You know, we, we, we may not be persecuted like the rest of the world, so we should have all the more reason to go out and be bold. It's amazing to look around the world and you can see where the church is growing 
is where it's being persecuted, though. Isn't that right? I mean, where the, the church is exploding across the world is where they are seeing the most persecution. When the early church grew, it was because the, there was persecution. Nero was around, you know, 60, 65 A.D., whatever. This is when the church was exploding for the first time. And when Peter was writing his words about the trials he was going through because the church was being persecuted. So we as a church want to come alongside and pray for those in this world that are being persecuted. We as a church want to be bold in our faith to love Jesus and to obey what he has commanded so we can go into all the world, so we can lead people everywhere to this devoted relationship with Jesus. Tim and, and the, the band is going to come back up, and we're going to enter into a time and an opportunity for us to respond. Here's the reality. We come back to this verse, this, this first verse, love and obey. And I want to challenge you, above all, we want to love Jesus. We want to be lovers of Jesus. We want to remember this great thing that he's done for us. Our, our chance to respond as the communion is up here is to remember what Jesus has done. See, see we want to obey because we love. And what an incredible thing that Jesus has done for us. His body broken, his blood shed. So I can have new life. So I can have whole life. So I can have this abundant life. So I can have this eternal life. Only through Jesus. This is what should motivate us, right? This is what causes us to love him and thus also obey him. So I challenge you, encourage you this morning. This is where it begins, a love for Jesus. And as we love Jesus, we begin to obey. We begin to follow. We begin to do what he's asked us to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for bringing us here this morning in a place where we can freely worship you. We don't worry about someone running through that door like many places around the world. So God, as a church, we want to pray for those places. God, if at least 20 people are being martyred for their faith every day, God, we want that to give us boldness in sharing our own faith and sharing how people can be rescued, how can have this eternal and new life through your son Jesus. This morning, we ask us that you would teach us to love you that above all, we would love Jesus. And by loving, we would obey and we would follow. We thank you for the bread. We thank you for his body that was broken, this incredible thing that he's done for us. We thank you for the, the juice and remembering his blood that was shed, that, that his blood has covered all my sin, all my transgression, all that I've done wrong has been taken care of because of my faith in Jesus. So this morning, we want to worship him. We want to remember him. And by loving him, we want to follow, we want to obey. We pray it and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to read, uh, read one story to you here. It's a story from India. It says, I'm a strong believer in Christ, Pastor DeGale said as he looked at 18 men surrounding him. You may kill me, but I will never become Hindu. It was September 20th, 2008, and Pastor DeGaulle was traveling by bus back to his home village in Orissa State, India. 
A month before, hundreds of Hindu extremists, armed with sticks, axes, knives, swept through multiple Christian villages in Orissa and five other Indian states, burning homes, destroying churches, and beating Christians. More than 100 Christians died during the month-long rampage, and nearly 70,000 Orissa Christians, including De Gaulle and his family, were forced from their homes. Thinking the violence had subsided, Pastor De Gaulle returned home to check on his family's property and livestock. He was nearing his village when 18 Hindu radicals stopped him. The radicals dra- dragged Pastor de Gaulle off the crowded, dusty bus. They ignored the sickening crunch of bone as his legs shattered. They demanded his conversion to Hinduism. When he refused, they beat him. They tied his hands and legs. They stripped him of his clothes, leaving nothing but a shirt. They burned his face and tortured him in unspeakable ways. Then they dumped his limp body into a creek where it floated for days. My father dedicated his life for my village, for people who did not know Christ. Pastor de Gaulle's son said, I think for my village, my father also was killed. And by his sacrifice of his own life, they may know Jesus Christ and accept him as their only Lord and personal Savior. Incredible story of someone who's bold in his faith. We want to be bold. We want to be bold in our faith. I would challenge you and encourage you this week, this week, Next week, we're starting a new series in community. Invite somebody. Simple. Invite somebody to come next week. Be bold in your faith. And an opportunity to come, share the message of Jesus with them. But let's invite somebody even next week to come and hear this message of Jesus so they too can know his redeeming love, how they can be rescued. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for eternal new life in him. Help us to know the spirit that you've given us to be bold in our faith, no matter the consequences, that we would be bold in sharing this message of Jesus, of taking this message of Jesus into all the world, leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with your son. We ask it in his name. Amen.